The NCAA has now announced they will punish the entire state of North Carolina for the state law preventing localities from forcing businesses to let men pee next to little girls. And they've stated that public bathroom facilities must be utilized in accordance with biological sex. That's what the law says. The NCAA statement explains that this is the worst thing ever. According to their press release, quote, based on the NCAA's commitment to fairness and inclusion, the association will relocate all seven previously awarded championship events from North Carolina during the 2016-2017 academic year. NCAA President Mark Emmert blathered, quote, fairness is about more than the opportunity to participate in college sports or even compete for championships. We believe in providing a safe and respectful environment at our events and are committed to providing the best experience possible for college athletes, fans, and everyone taking part in our championships. The NCAA added that because North Carolina laws are discriminatory against LGBT Americans, they cannot hold their championships there. Now look, the NCAA has every right to do this. They're not a governmental body. But this is immoral and idiotic virtue signaling. The NCAA has not invalidated any of the NCAA-sanctioned events inside the state that are not high-profile. Duke, UNC, University of North Carolina, they'll continue to compete in-state. So if the NCAA is deeply afraid of the evil Charlotte North Carolinians picking up torches and going after Caitlyn Jenner, they really ought to cancel all the NCAA events in their state. But they won't, because they're liars and they're hypocrites. They also will not be disbanding independent male and female sports, which are, of course, cisgender and transphobic. After all, if a man wants to play for women's teams and a woman wants to play for men's teams, why must there be separate categories? If gender is entirely a social construct, why should we reinforce that evil, terrible, awful social construct through separate sex-specific sports? The North Carolina GOP issued an epic response to all of this. They said, quote, This is so absurd it's almost comical. I genuinely look forward to the NCAA merging all men's and women's teams together as a singular unified unisex team. Under the NCAA's logic, colleges should make cheerleaders and football players share bathrooms, showers, and hotel rooms. They may already be doing that. The decision is an assault to female athletes across the nation. If you are unwilling to have women's bathrooms and locker rooms, how do you have a women's team? I wish the NCAA was this concerned about the women who were raped at Baylor. Perhaps the NCAA should stop with their political peacocking and instead focus their energies on making sure our nation's collegiate athletes are safe both on and off the field. That's their statement. No answers will be forthcoming from the NCAA, but at least they have the support of the potential president of the United States, the ailing Hillary Clinton, who tweeted, quote, the NCAA is right to pull tournament games from North Carolina because of the anti-LGBT HB2 law. Discrimination has no place in America, signed Hillary Clinton from her deathbed. Except, of course, when it does have a place in America, when governmental actors promote boycotts against private actors in states that have laws they don't like. How many members of Duke back HB2? How many members of UNC do? Anybody? More importantly, Hillary and her crew are certainly happy to utilize the power of government to discriminate against women by forcing men into their bathrooms and locker rooms, and even more happy to discriminate against religious Americans who don't want to participate in same-sex ceremonies and activities. When the NCAA is not pulling out of Washington State, where bakers are being sued out of existence for following their private religious principles. The NCAA ought to pay a price from its audience for this sort of leftist panderings. Uh, Americans ought to tune out their big games and events until the point when the NCAA stops being a tool for leftism and actually starts being a sports organization. But that's the problem with us conservatives. We are too easygoing, so we'll continue to watch the NCAA championship, and the left will continue hijacking sports to provoke leftist social change. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> 
So much to get to today here on The Ben Shapiro Show. And by the way, we should mention right up top that if you subscribe to DailyWire.com now, folks who are watching this live on Facebook or YouTube, if you subscribe to Daily Wire, you can now watch the entire show live. So after we hit the break, you can continue watching it live at DailyWire.com, which is certainly worth your $8 a month, which you should have been doing anyway. We want to say hello to one of our advertisers, U.S. Tax Shield. U.S. Tax Shield, these are folks, if you have trouble with the IRS, and if you're conservative, there's at least a 50% shot that you have troubles with the IRS. But if you do have troubles with the IRS because you're either conservative or you forgot to pay your taxes or you screwed up on your taxes, you need to talk to the good folks at U.S. Tax Shield. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and they specialize in helping people with personal tax liability and business payroll taxes and fees and penalties. You can call them for a free consultation. A senior tax consultant will actually get on the line with the IRS with you and find out exactly what your liabilities are. They will give you an estimate, a guaranteed quote, and that quote never increases. So you can be sure that when they quote you the price for what they're doing, then they stick with that price. They also have something called the Fresh Start Program that helps you come clean with the IRS and settle all of your debt in a really short period of time. If you want to call the the tax relief professionals at US US Tax Shield, for, again, a free consultation, their number is 800-542-2226. That's 542-2226, 800-542-2226. Or go to ustaxshield.com slash Ben, and you can find out what sort of resolution programs you qualify for, see how much you can save on your tax that they help negotiate with the IRS to get it down. That's ustaxshield.com slash Ben. Make sure you use the slash Ben so they know that we sent you, and they continue to advertise and ensure that our, our sad little minions here who work for peanuts actually get to continue to work on this magnificent show, which will obviously be the highlight of their lives and be put on their epitaphs after they die. Okay, so lots of things going on in the world. Mostly, speaking of dying, Hillary Clinton called into CNN yesterday. She called into Anderson Cooper's show. Presumably, they removed her from the iron lung long enough for her to call Anderson Cooper's show. And she explained why it was that she didn't disclose that last Friday she was diagnosed with pneumonia and instead decided to go out to a 9-11 memorial on Sunday, where she promptly fell face first into the pavement and was grabbed and tossed like a sack of potatoes into a van, was driven to Chelsea Clinton's apartment. By the way, the New York Post reports exactly what I said yesterday, which is the only reason they drove her to Chelsea's is they didn't want to go to the ER, because if they went to the ER, it blows up the story. She apparently never saw a doctor until she got up to Chappaqua later on Monday, uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, and so Hillary Clinton calls into Anderson Cooper. Uh, presumably, she's on an IV at this point. Here's Hillary Clinton. Um, why not just say on Friday, uh, as you said to apparently to Senator Schumer on Sunday, you know, I have pneumonia, folks. Uh, I'm going to power through it. Why keep it a secret? Well, I, I, I just didn't think it was going to be that big a deal. Um, You know, I know Chuck said today he didn't tell anybody. It's just the kind of thing that if it happens to you and you're a busy, active person, uh, you keep moving forward. Okay, you're a busy, active person. You keep moving forward. She didn't think it was that important. Yeah, I don't buy that one for one single solitary second. Do you? Do you buy that? Here's the thing about Hillary. Hillary lying about her health just underscores the fact that she lies about everything. So she says she didn't think it was important she was diagnosed with pneumonia. It doesn't matter that there were weeks, weeks, where she was coughing up a lung and people were wondering what was going on. She's diagnosed with pneumonia, and she waits until she falls face down on pavement in order for her to come out with the fact that she had pneumonia. Do you think that that's because she didn't think it was important or because she's a paranoid? She's a paranoid, and she has a tendency toward toward believing that the cover-up is always the smartest thing to do. That's always the smartest thing to do. Maybe the cover-up is the smartest thing to do. We still don't know anything about her health records. Hillary insisted that she was transparent. As soon as she found out what was going on, they were, they were totally transparent. Well, we're going to be releasing more information. And I think it's fair to say we've already met the standard of disclosure of past presidential candidates like 
uh, Mitt Romney and President Obama. We'll add more information, but I've already released information about my health in this campaign, as well as nearly 40 years of tax returns. We've already met a high standard of transparency. Okay, we've met a high standard of transparency. <laughs> Does anyone in the world believe this? Does anybody believe that Hillary has met a high standard of transparency? So she says all this, and she was asked by Anderson Cooper, has this happened before? She said, yeah, I think there were two times when I fainted. Then there was Bill. So there's two things about this particular clip that are funny. So first we're going to watch Bill Clinton tell Charlie Rose on PBS that Hillary has had this sort of thing in the past. Here's what he said. You wonder if, if it's not more serious no, no, she, than dehydration. She's then. been... Uh... Well, if it is, it's a mystery to me and all of her doctors. Rarely, but on more than one occasion over the last many, many years, the same sort of things happened to her when she just got severely dehydrated. Okay, so it's happened on more than one occasion where she's been severely dehydrated. She said it happened twice. We know of at least four times when Hillary has fainted, 2005, 2009, 2012, when she bumped her head, and 2016, obviously, when she just fell over at this uh, at this 9-11 memorial. What's hilarious about this is that CBS News, when they first broadcast this clip, they had Bill saying that this rarely happened to Hillary, except that they missed, they, they cut out a particular line, which you're about to see. She's been... Uh well, if it is, it's a mystery to me and all of her doctors, because it's frequently, not frequently, not thought, rarely, but on more than one occasion <laughs> over the last many, many years, they're the not same lying, sort of folks. things happen to her. No, no, they're not lying, folks. Frequently. Well, not frequently. I wouldn't say frequently. Rarely. That's what I was looking for. They're the opposite, gang. Frequently. Well, I would say rarely. This has happened before to Hillary. CBS just slices it out, boom, and they broadcast it on broadcast TV. They release this online. This is CBS's favorite thing to do. CBS, with Scott Pelley particularly, for years, they've been cutting out all the bad stuff for Democrats and sticking it online and hiding it online, hoping that nobody will ever see it. This is just another incident of that. Hillary continues to maintain that she's transparent, of course. Robbie Mook, her campaign manager, he was asked about Hillary's health, and he said, you know, we're not going to go into details on when we found out about everything, because that's just not something we do, like tell the truth. We don't do that. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, get into details about who knew her medical information, but she made a determination with her doctor that she would power through this. She didn't want it to affect anything. And obviously on uh, on Sunday, uh, when she got overheated, it was clear that she needed some downtime. And just, so in yeah. consultation with her doctor, she's taking some downtime. Oh, she's just taking some downtime. And we're not going to go into who knew when and why we lied to people about it and why we didn't say anything and then why we claimed it was just dehydration as opposed to she had pneumonia. We're not going to go into any of that because, I mean, honestly, why should we? We've been so forthright and honest with everybody about everything for so Why would we possibly do anything like that? Why would we possibly? I love this. Brian Fallon, another Clinton spokesperson, he came out yesterday. He says, don't worry. Well, this week, we'll release more health information. Let me just say, Andrea, I, we've been in touch with her this morning, and it is our intention that uh, in the next couple of days we're going to be releasing additional medical information about Hillary Clinton. Uh, a year ago, over a year ago now, we released a, an extensive letter with a comprehensive uh, medical history, family medical history, and, uh, and, and state picture of her health uh, that uh, completely adheres to the norm for presidential candidates and far exceeds what Donald Trump has released. But we're going to go beyond that, and in the next few days, uh, we've been in touch with uh, her physician. Uh, 
this morning to get those materials together. We're going to be releasing that to, to further put to rest any uh, lingering concerns about what you saw yesterday. I can attest, uh, Andrea, that it really is the case that, that there's no other uh, undisclosed condition. Uh, it, it, the pneumonia is the extent of it. Uh, and I can also attest that her doctor has stated uh, that, there, that there was nothing uh, here in terms of uh, anything that was caused by uh, what happened in 2012. We test there's no underlying condition. Nothing is, is an overhang from 2012. Also, we'll be dripping this information out as we see fit very, very slowly. So basically, they're treating Hillary's health the same way they treated the private server, right? We're going to delete all the information that we don't want you to know, and then we're going to release all the other information and call ourselves transparent. This is the way that Hillary does things. And does that make you feel secure about her health? Does that make you feel secure about her health? And this is a real question, because we should know whether the president is going to die in office before we get to vote for this person. We should know how sick she is. We should know everything. We should have medical records. And, you know, Donald Trump says, look, I don't take satisfaction in being right. He's been questioning Hillary's health for a while. He says, I don't take satisfaction in being right. Here's Trump yesterday. Um, given yesterday's uh, events, and I'm sure you don't take any satisfaction uh, in in what uh, the, the, what we saw yesterday, but would you say that, uh, that that you were probably correct in your assessment? Well, I don't take satisfaction, Joe. And frankly, uh, you know, I hope she gets well, and I hope she gets well soon. Uh, but uh, you know, it was it was uh, quite sad to be honest with you. And and I hope she gets well soon. Okay, so he says he doesn't take any any glory in all of this, which is the smart play. So Trump is under control, and Trump under control is the best Trump, right? That's good Trump in in our in our normal good Trump bad Trump dichotomy. And then of course you would imagine. So this this week Donald Trump is supposed to go on Doctor Oz, and they're they're doing this like a Maury Povich special. So apparently he did a physical, and he's going to give Doctor Oz the results of the physical, but he's not going to look at them himself. Doctor Oz is just going to read them off to him on TV. I can only hope and pray that there's some sort of paternity test in there, and that we get some like snaggle-toothed young woman who runs out and says, Daddy, to Trump. I just think it's for entertainment value, if nothing else. I mean, we've seen everything else crazy in this election cycle. So if we don't have a Maury Povich paternity moment, then I think that we've really missed out here. I mean, we have already Rick Perry on Dancing with the Stars, so we're getting closer every single day. But, what, what, but it's smart. Trump is going out there and he's saying, okay, here's what you need to know about my health. There's only one problem, which is that Kellyanne Conway says they're not going to release Trump's full health records. This is the problem when you have two geriatrics running against each other. And was it with Dr. Bornstein? Uh, that I don't know. I was not present for his physical. But remember, Andrew, I mean, I'm with Dr. Oz and millions of Americans on this. I don't know why we need such extensive medical reporting when we all have a right to privacy. Uh, the entire argument in favor of Hillary releasing these medical reports is that we deserve to know extensive medical reporting. And she says, well, we have to worry about privacy. Okay, that's Hillary's argument. I'm using Hillary's argument. So now I think both of them are dying, right? I mean, this is just, it's ridiculous. Like, why is this so hard? I'm willing right now to turn over my full health reports. It turns out there's nothing there that should scare anybody. If you, if, if, why, uh, like, medical privacy sort of goes out the window, except for, you know, you had an embarrassing fungal surgery. It goes out the window the minute that you decide to run for president because I'm not releasing my tax returns today. I'm not running for president. If I did, I'd release my tax returns. And we sort of have this basic expectation. But in any case, Hillary's dishonesty, and this is the real point that I want to make here about Hillary's dishonesty. Hillary's dishonesty demonstrates she's not competent at this. And so I'm not comfortable with Hillary being president, obviously, because she's deeply corrupt and because she's deeply evil. But because she's deeply corrupt and deeply evil doesn't mean that she's competent. So when we say that she's going to be just as damaging as Obama, 
I don't think she's going to be just as damaging as Obama, not because she doesn't have the same intent, but because Hillary is both corrupt and incompetent. She's so transparent that everyone looks at her, even the media, which we'll get to in a minute, even the media look at her and they say, you suck at this. You're terrible. You're ineffective. In other words, she's more Jimmy Carter than she is Barack Obama. Obama's a tremendously effective politician. He can use the stump. He can pretend that he's not corrupt. The media have covered for him for eight years. Even the media can't cover for the fact that Hillary Clinton is a pathological liar who's deeply corrupt. They can't cover for her. So if she were president, God forbid, what you would end up with is a scandal-ridden presidency, no power of the bully pulpit, no possibility of convincing Congress. You'd end up with gridlock because right now it looks like the Republicans maintain both the House and the Senate in all probability. So, you know, I think that, that some of the worries about Hillary Clinton being worse than Obama are overstated. I think she's starting in a worse place than Obama started because Obama's taken us pretty far. But I think that Hillary's just not competent in a way that Obama is competent, which doesn't mean that you should support Hillary Clinton because she's not going to be that bad. She will be. But what's going to prevent her from being really, truly awful in every possible conceivable way, what's going to prevent her from being the worst president ever is not her motive. What's going to prevent that is her competence level. Her competence level is absolutely minimal. It's absolutely low. Okay, we have to say hello to another sponsor really quickly, and that is Birch Gold. So right now, if you're worried about the future of the country, you're worried about the future of the stock market and finances, you should give our friends at Birch Gold Group a call. Their number is 800-496-6663. Birch Gold Group has a lot of five-star reviews, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. And one of their programs is helping you shift your eligible 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold and silver, if that's something that you're interested in. Birch Gold Group has a big pamphlet, a big 16-page kit. Explain, I've read it, revealing how gold and silver can protect your savings, how they're a hedge against inflation and against stock market crashes, and how you can legally move your IRA or 401k into precious metals if you see fit. And you should get all the information. I always recommend with these kinds of investments, you always get the information. And Birch Gold Group is a great place for you to get that information. You can call them at 800-496-6663, 800-496-6663, or go to birchgold.com slash Ben, and make sure that it's B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash Ben. Make sure you add the slash Ben, because that ensures that they know that we sent you, and that means that they continue to, to advertise with us, which obviously helps the show continue on as uh, as we move forward. Okay, folks, so that ends our Facebook Live and YouTube portion of the program, but you can go to Daily Wire and continue watching it live. That's our new feature. Is you, can, you don't have to wait two hours for it to be released on, on iTunes or SoundCloud, and we have lots to get to today. We're going to get to Donald Trump and his and his new policy of, of maternity leave. Seriously, this is what he's pushing now. We're going to talk about some of our good friends like Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram, so we'll get to them shortly. Uh, we'll also be getting to Deconstructing the Culture today. That's right. It's Deconstructing the Culture Day, so we watch music videos and make fun of them, essentially. <laughs> so we'll be doing that. Plus, we have an epic Things I Like and Things I Hate. So lots more coming up. Go to dailywire.com. Subscribe for 8 bucks a month. You can also be part of the mailbag. I'm Ben Shapiro, and uh, join us over at dailywire.com right now. Okay, so here we are, and the media are now reacting to Hillary Clinton being terrible at this. And she is. I mean, what I said earlier, that Hillary is so bad at this that I'm not sure she would even be an effective president. Even the media that loves her or half loves her, it's sort of a shotgun marriage. They loved Obama. They half love Hillary. They love her because they have to, but it's more like a couple that's been married for 30 years and the husband's cheated on the wife and they're sort of forced into it because the kids are still in the house. That's how the media loves Hillary Clinton. So the media... Have, have even, even the media have now been turning on Hillary Clinton. Maureen Dowd, who's never really been a fan of the Clintons, she says that this just demonstrates how dishonest Hillary Clinton is. Have they earned it? Have they earned the benefit of the doubt, the Clintons? 
No, and you know, I agree with David Axelrod who said it isn't about the health, it's about the stealth. The health issue this week is a perfect microcosm of why she has problems. And you know, I spent the, I started covering her in 92 when she first came on the scene, just as I did Trump in 99. And that's why I thought, you know, I could give some context to this. And this is the exact same pattern she follows every time where Trump has his wall and she has her wall of defensiveness and secretiveness and just pushing back. The press can't know anything. And each time it gets worse. And she's right. I mean, Maureen Dowd has always been a Clinton critic, but she's on the left, obviously. And she acknowledges how dishonest Hillary is. She's not the only one. Chris Matthews. The man comes to the show. He worships the Hillary Clinton altar. I have an altar at my house. I go home. I open the closet. I say, Kathleen, come here. We got to light up the altar for Hillary Clinton. We got to sacrifice a human baby. We sacrifice a human baby to Hillary Clinton. Even I, even I don't think that this is a great idea for Hillary Clinton. Chris Matthews, I'm going to say, Go. The other question yesterday's incident raised can only be answered by the voters' attention to the candidate. To live with her propensity to release news only when releasing it had grown to be the only option. Are they ready to accept what's called in politics rolling disclosure? Admitting to the truth only when the truth is out in the public already. For example, when there's an iPhone video airing that shows you being lifted into a car. <laughs> and he's exactly right, of course. He, I, I really watched that video many times because I didn't want, I didn't want to believe Hillary Clinton was lying to me. But Hillary Clinton was lying to me, it turns out. So I went home, I went to sleep in my suit, all rumpled, got up, brushed my head of the show, came out of here, did a show, looked disappointed. Chris Matthews, MSNBC. So he's right, too. Even, even Hillary's biggest supporters are now saying that she hides things, which, again, means that as president, if she is, God forbid, elected president, that means that she is not going to be as effective as Obama, who's a really, really good liar, very smooth. She doesn't have the charm of Bill Clinton either. Now, there are still members of the media. Let's not, let's not overplay this. There are still members of the media who are going to defend Hillary Clinton at all costs. Andrea Mitchell is one of them. She and Hillary have just a wonderful love affair. It's been going for years. So here's Andrea Mitchell talking up how, yes, Hillary's a pathological liar who can't stop lying no matter what happens to her. But don't worry, Trump is worse. They had an affirmative obligation to tell us about the diagnosis of pneumonia. And then the secrecy yesterday, and for an hour and a half, the press corps, uh, the protective press pool, the pool of reporters, which is supposed to be with her just for this kind of emergency, they are kept back at the ceremonies. They don't know that she is, they're not told that she's gone to Chelsea's apartment. Right. Then they're brought there so that we can see her coming out looking very spry, you know, right. hugging the little girl. And then eight hours after this first happened, they finally tell us about mm. the diagnosis yeah, of pneumonia that, was, that occurred on Friday. I'm sorry. There is an obligation not written, not in law, but there's an obligation, and Donald Trump is even worse than she is in terms of telling us anything about his medical history. So, yeah. you know, we've got a lot of problems with both campaigns. Okay, so it's, it's always, Trump is always worse, and this is, this is what they're going to fall back on. They have the reverse Dennis Prager logic. No matter what happens, Donald Trump is always worse. Christiane Amanpour is even, uh, Christiane Amanpour is one of these pathological liars, wildly left on CNN, and she says, I don't understand the big deal. Why can't a girl just have a sick day or two? The media are having a field day. Off to the races with another debilitating case of indignant outrage. This must be another typical Clinton conspiracy to fool them with a total transparency breakdown. Talk about transparency breakdown. What about Donald Trump's tax returns? Where are they? Can't a girl have a sick day or two? 
Don't get me started, because when it comes to overqualified women having to try a hundred times harder than underqualified men to get a break or even a level playing field, well, we know that story. Okay, so th there will still be members of the media who defend her, but the, the overall numbers on Hillary suck. I mean, everybody in, in the United States understands that she's deeply unpalatable, that she's really dishonest. Nobody believes any of this crap. And that's why, as I say, I think Hillary is less dangerous than Barack Obama, which is not to say that she should be elected, God forbid, or that you should vote for her, God forbid. Um, but it is to say that, that kind of the, the fears that Hillary will be a deeply effective president, I think, are overstated. I don't think she's competent enough to be a deeply effective president, which doesn't mean she can't do bad things. She can. Okay. Meanwhile, in other news, Donald Trump is, is on the offensive. So it's time for a little bit of, you guessed it, good Trump, bad Trump. Thank you to Brandon Snipes for the theme. Good Trump, bad Trump, which one will we get today? Okay, so let's start with a little bit of good Trump. So Hillary Clinton, well, sorry, I have to do the face. Good Trump. Okay, so Hillary Clinton. So here, here's Hillary Clinton, of course, over the weekend. She said that, that half of Donald Trump's people, half the people voting for Donald Trump are deplorables. The deplorables. They, they, these are the racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe, Islamophobe, xenophobe, blablophobe, everybody-phobe, right? They, they, these are the, the deplorables. And here was Donald Trump going after Hillary Clinton yesterday very effectively in Baltimore. These were the people, Hillary Clinton, so viciously demonized. These were among the countless Americans that Hillary Clinton called deplorable, irredeemable, and un-American. Nobody's heard anything like this. She called these patriotic men and women every vile name in the book. She called them racist, sexist, xenophobic, Islamophobic, she called half of our supporters a basket of deplorables in both a speech and an interview. She divides people into baskets as though they were objects, not human beings. Okay, we know a couple of things about Hillary Clinton. One, she loves basket. Two, she hates water, which means that she's the Wicked Witch of the West, technically. <laughs> so, in any case, he's exactly right, right? When she when she goes after half of Trump's support base as deplorables, these racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes, that's nuts. And when Trump says this, he's exactly right. And this is a strong attack for him. What's amazing, and it really is interesting, is that Hillary Clinton is actually more insulting than Mitt Romney was. In, in 2012, Mitt Romney said 47% of the public think of themselves as victims, which is not true. You know, just because you're not paying income tax doesn't mean you think of yourself as a victim. In fact, lots of people who don't pay income tax vote Republican. But in any case, Donald Trump, it, what Hillary Clinton said was that half of Trump supporters are these deplorables, and the other half of the supporters are people who, are, who think of themselves as victims of the government and victims of the broader society. And it's like, well, no, there are a lot of Trump supporters, and I'm not one of them, but there are a lot of Trump supporters who think of themselves as free and independent human beings who just don't want Hillary Clinton to be president. There are lots of those folks. There are lots of those folks. So Trump is exactly right to, to, to speak out about this. And he continues, he says that Hillary looks down at the American people, and she does. He's right. After months of hiding from the press, Hillary Clinton has revealed her true thoughts. That was her true thoughts. She revealed herself to be a person who looks down on the proud citizens of our country as subjects for her rule. 
She views it as her rule. Her comments displayed the same sense of arrogance and entitlement that led to violation of federal law as Secretary of State. Hide and delete her emails. Nobody's ever done anything like that before. Put classified information in the reach of our enemies. Lie to Congress and sell government favors and access through her foundation. Okay, Trump is exactly right. This is good Trump. This is the best Trump. Okay, this is this is Trump on a roll. It's excellent. He's exactly right. You don't get to call one quarter of the American public racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes just because you disagree with them. Barack Obama did the same thing back in 2008 when he said that everybody who didn't want to vote for him was a bitter clinger. But for Democrats, there are really only two types of people in the United States, potential Democrat voters, people who think of themselves as victims of government. That's who she was talking about as the other basket. And then there are the deplorables, the evil people. And that's how Democrats think, because if they didn't think that way, they would actually have to craft policy that makes sense. Instead, what they do is they say, everyone who disagrees with me is a racist. Everyone who agrees with me is a victim of the system that I'm going to help. This is how they divide the universe. I, you know, I think that there are racists. I think there are people who feel victimized by the system. I think there are people who rightly and wrongly feel victimized by the system. I think there are people who don't feel victimized by the system. They just want to be left alone. I think there are lots of different types of people in the United States. Trump is right to, to signal this. Now, that doesn't mean the media are going to cover it. In fact, the media are desperate to now spin this deplorables line that Hillary drops, which is a bad line for her. They were desperate to, to spin this against Trump. So Joe Scarborough on MSNBC, he says that this deplorables comment is not a big deal. We should just ignore it. But, but, but I think 50 percent is high, and I think she made a mistake generalizing. You know, you know I mean, said. you can you can go and again when George after 9/11, you know, over 35 percent of Democrats thought that George Bush was inside on the attacks on 9/11. You know, probably the same number if they took polling thought FDR was inside on so the Hillary attacks Clinton apologized, of, of, Joe. of Pearl Harbor. She said it was right. grossly generalistic. Right. Is there one racist or insulting or inappropriate inappropriate comment that Donald Trump has made that he has apologized for along the way that we have talked did about it apologize? for 10 minutes? Did, did he no. apologize? Yeah, that, he offered that blanket apology where he said if there's, anybody I've, ever, if there's anybody I've ever offended, without specifying I, I, I've got to say, I think at the end of the day, this, Enough. Is, this is much ado about nothing. I mean, I, everybody's going to, the Trump campaign thinks this is huge. People are going to be hyperventilating about it a lot. We won't be talking about it next week. Nobody will remember. We'll be right week. back with much more Morning Joe. Okay, and we're not going to watch much more on Morning Joe because it's a terrible show. And Beaker over there, he says that this isn't going to be a big deal come next week. If the media can help it, meep, meep, then they, they will ensure that there is no that, that this is not a big story come next week. But they're actually trying to spin it further than this. They're trying to say that Hillary Clinton was right, that the Trump campaign is filled with deplorables. Chris Hayes tries to say that all of the Trump people are deplorables on MSNBC. But there are people. I mean, Alex Jones, this guy believes 9-11's inside job, that the that there were child actors that faked their own death in Newtown. Like, Donald Trump went on his show and said, you have a good reputation. Like, he is supporting Donald Trump. I like, that's a deplorable person. in the Hillary Clinton camp you cannot that find are deplorable. An Alex Jones? And why is it you're so only Alex fixating Jones? on the half that she called deplorable? And why don't you admit that she insulted all Trump supporters? So she want, said half are deplorable trash. Hang on. And the other half are in a trash. dead end, desperate, worse. I'm being nice. In a dead end, desperate, jobless wait, existence. Me, that, that's let, the other let, half. Let, let so I'm you. either a bigot or I'm a dead end loser. That's what she said about all Trump I'll go, supporters. I'll go to the other half in a second. She's I want, I want to ask you this. I want to go to the other half in a second. Mm -hmm. uh, half of Trump supporters view African Americans as more violent than whites. 
I'm going to believe that poll. Okay. Okay, but let's say the polling is wrong. I mean, it is not the it is not the Trump campaign well, position. Well, you should mention. I've that seen Clinton is 31 percent. Excited. You should mention how they say, oh, well, some Trump supporters don't believe Obama was born here, like Clinton supporters, who are the ones who started the birther controversy. No, but the, the, the polling. So we can do this all day. Wait, no, Chris. but this is this is a real question, right? The, the, this view. Viewing African Americans. By the way, you don't admit that the Clinton supporters are the ones that started the no, and controversy. Also, the this polling. Is, this is fact. No, Andy Martin actually started. I wrote a piece about this. this Look is it up. Fact. But, okay. Wait, wait, Look up Ben Smith's report. Uh, Andy Martin started the birth of thing. Who's sure. a, a very weird guy. Here, so what they what they try to do the, the new media spin and it's Vox.com and it's the New York Times today. Charles Blow in the New York Times, the Washington Post is that no secretly that the, the Donald Trump people are all racist. They really are all a bunch of bigots, and they cite polls like this that say that blacks are more violent than whites. You know, there are a lot of reasons why people would respond that way in a poll, some really, really terrible, some based on misunderstanding. But again, there are polls on the other side that show just as terrible things being said. I mean, if you again, if you if you asked and, and Scarborough even mentioned this and he's right, if you if you ask Democrats in the aftermath of 9-11, was Bush behind 9-11? A huge percentage of them thought so. A majority of Democrats think Bush lied. People died in Iraq. And conspiracy theories are not reserved to one side of the aisle, and, and racial nastiness is not reserved to one side of the aisle either. I mean, remember, a huge percentage of Democrats today think Colin Kaepernick is right to kneel down for the national anthem because cops are inherently racist. So, you know, th this kind of stuff can be put on anybody. It's, it's real garbage time by the media, which doesn't mean that there wasn't a screw-up. So, now it's time for a little bit of bad Trump. Now, to be fair, to be fair, this particular bad Trump is bad Mike Pence. So, so Mike Pence goes on CNN with Wolf Blitzer. And Wolf Blitzer, in an attempt to spin the deplorable story in favor of Hillary, he wants Mike Pence to now admit that there are people who are going to vote for Trump who are deplorable. Right? This is his tactic. His new tactic is, I have to figure out how Hillary's thing isn't that bad. So there are deplorable people who back Trump. If I can get Pence to say the word deplorable, then Hillary's not wrong when she says there's a basket of deplorables inside the Trump campaign, inside the Trump support base. That's, that's Blitzer's goal. And you'll see how Mike Pence doesn't want to say deplorable, but he botches this utterly, just utterly botches it. There are supporters, and you know this, there are some supporters of Donald Trump and Mike Pence uh, who, like David Duke, for example, and some other white nationalists, who would fit into that category of de uh, deplorables, right? Well, I, as I've told you the last time I was on, I, I, I'm not really sure why the media keeps dropping David Duke's name. Uh, Donald Trump has denounced David Duke repeatedly. We don't want his support, and we don't want the support of people who think so like him. So you call him a deplorable. You would call him a deplorable. Uh, no, I don't, I'm not in the name-calling business, Wolf. You know me Okay, we can now. stop it right there. That's the important part. So he says, so you'd call him a deplorable, and that's Blitzer shilling for Hillary Clinton. I mean, that's exactly what it is. He's sitting there going, you just said you, you don't want to associate with him. You don't want his support. You don't want the support of people who think like him. That's not enough. You have to use Hillary's word, deplorable. Now, there are two possible responses that Pence could give that would have been okay here. Neither of them is the one that he gave. He could have said, one, yes, of course David Duke is deplorable. What's, what's just as deplorable as, as David Duke is you slandering a huge millions of Americans by saying they're David Duke. That's deplorable. It's disgusting. Right? Hillary's disgusting for doing that. He could do that, and that's the end of the story. Or he could say, you know what? David Duke is just a trash heap, and his, his, his philosophy is gross. His philosophy is nasty. And then if he keeps saying deplorable, you just say, I don't understand your insistence on the word deplorable. Are you just shilling for Hillary Clinton? Is that the goal here? Like, this is not hard to do. But Pence went in there with the goal of, I'm not going to say the word deplorable. So instead, what comes out of his mouth is, no, I'm not going to call David Duke deplorable. I'm not in the insult business. When it comes to the KKK and David Duke, you might want to try the insult business. It's pretty good business. right? You might, just try it as an amateur. See if you like it. 
But the problem is that now they've got the headline, and this is the headline that the media dishonestly pushed yesterday, which is that which is that Pence doesn't think David Duke is deplorable. Which is again, this is it was a trap, and he fell right into it. Kellyanne Conway basically acknowledged as much today. She said, "Yeah, he should have Pence should have just said he's deplorable." Should Donald Trump's running mate Mike Pence have said that um, David Duke is deplorable? He he should sure so that so that he doesn't get headlines saying. Mike Pence will not say Donald Trump is deplorable, and people can get satisfied. But can people play the entire clip? He clearly said on your network, and thank you for playing the entire clip. We don't want to support. We don't like what he stands for or people stand for in the KKK. But there is this, he's got another point. There is this certain obsession about constantly raising issues and raising people that are not part of our campaign. Okay, this is Kellyanne Conway doing it right. So she's much better at this than Mike Pence. Maybe they should have nominated her for vice president. In any case, that's that's a screw up. Okay, the that, that's that's kind of minor bad Trump, and it's it's stupid. It's annoying. Don't make these kinds of mistakes, gang. But here's the real bad Trump, and this is where we get into the reason why I am why I'm a person who says I'm not going to vote for for Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. Now, number one, I want to make one point. I wrote a piece about this today at DailyWire.com. You can read it. I'm getting very sick of hearing from people who say, if you won't support Trump, you want Hillary elected. As you know from watching this show, I think that Hillary Clinton is a deeply evil human being. I think Hillary Clinton is a liar. I think she believes in terrible things. I think that she wants things that are really bad to happen to a lot of very good Americans. I think that Hillary Clinton is a very bad human being. I don't want to see Hillary Clinton elected. I'm very sick of hearing that because I won't vote for Trump, that means I want Hillary elected. That's like saying I want to eat a cheeseburger today because I want to die of heart disease. That's my primary motivation in eating a cheeseburger. I can't. But if I could eat a cheeseburger, my primary motivation in eating a cheeseburger would be that I want to die of heart disease. No, that's a secondary effect. So I will acknowledge freely that if I don't vote in the state of California, that I have decreased Donald Trump's chances of winning the state of California by precisely 0.000003%. And Mitt Romney lost California by 3 million votes. So I've decreased on, if I won't vote for Trump in California, I've decreased his likelihood of success by 0.000003%. Okay, that's the, great. Okay, so you win. I've, I've, I've decreased his level of, of chance of winning in California by that much. And I'll acknowledge also that my refusal to shill for Trump doesn't help Trump as much as it would if I were Sean Hannity and went out there every night just licking Trump's feet. That if, if I did that, presumably it would help Trump more. But I'm not going to do that because I'm an honest person and I'm going to tell you what Trump does and what Trump does not do. So that being the case, Donald Trump today came out, and he's supposed to come out later today, and he's supposed to speak in favor of paid maternity leave. Yes, paid maternity leave. So paid maternity leave, there are two ways to do paid maternity leave. One is state-sponsored paid maternity leave. The other is state-mandated paid maternity leave. Paid maternity leave on a mandated level, is you force private businesses to cover the maternity leave of women who want to take off time for pregnancy. Now, this is something with which I have experience. My wife has been pregnant twice. She took off a year from medical school with our first baby. She took off a few months between medical school and her residency with baby number two, and she took off her first rotation from residency with a baby. Now, what paid maternity leave, mandated paid maternity leave actually does, what it actually does, when you mandate that a business pay for maternity leave, it creates a bunch of costs for a business. Those costs include, first, you actually have to cover the temp who has to cover, two, you have to pay for the benefits, and three, you lose the productivity, the difference between the temp and the permanent worker. If you mandate paid maternity leave, which increases the cost here, if you do that, What you're actually doing is incentivizing businesses never to hire young married women or young women capable of becoming pregnant. Really, because you're going to lose money if you do that. 
So that's why mandated paid maternity leave is actually counterproductive. It actually means less women are hired in the workplace. This is a reality. In California, we have mandated paid maternity leave. My wife, when she was interviewing for her job, for her residency, she had to assure employers that she didn't intend on getting pregnant for a certain period of time, even though it's kind of illegal to ask about it. And by the way, she was pregnant when she did these interviews, so she tried to assure that when she did the interviews, she wasn't so heavily pregnant that they could see she was about to have a baby. So these are real concerns for women. Paid maternity leave doesn't solve them. It makes them worse. Paid maternity leave, on the other hand, the idea that the taxpayer is supposed to pick up the tab for a woman having a baby, it discriminates against single people. It discriminates against elderly people. It discriminates against people who are gay. It discriminates against people who who already have kids but are not eligible for the maternity leave benefit. So I make too much money to be eligible for the benefits Trump is talking about. Uh, So that means that I have to subsidize somebody else taking off time from their job, even though we lost money when my wife took off time from hers. Okay, so it used to be a basic conservative principle that paid maternity leave was not something conservative. Ivanka Trump is the one pushing this. Ivanka Trump, that famed Republican who was registered as an independent up until five minutes ago. She was registered as an independent during the New York primary. She couldn't even vote for her daddy. And she's the one who hangs out with Chelsea Clinton and David Geffen. She's now defining paid maternity leave policy for this super, super conservative Donald Trump candidacy, which is just ridiculous and a joke. But here's the problem with the paid maternity leave. And it's not even a problem with Trump, because you have to expect Trump to be Trump. He is not conservative. He is much more in line with blue dog Democrat politics than he is with Republican politics. This is not a surprise. When I say that I fear that Donald Trump is going to carve away the conservative movement, it's because he's already doing it. It's because he is already doing it. Let me give you an example. So here is Laura Ingram. There's a tweet that she wrote. This is 29A. This is Laura Ingram's tweet back from January 20th, 2015. And she's talking about Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, both of whom are stumping for six months of paid maternity leave. Quote, Paid sick leave, paid maternity leave, paid child care, and it's all free in about 9,000 E's at the end. She's making fun of these things. You shouldn't have these things is what she's saying, at least not government mandated. This is Laura Ingram, January 20th, 2015. Let's fast forward to today. Here's Laura Ingram today. Quote, need to see details regarding how Trump proposes to pay for a new six-week maternity benefit. Savings because those women won't go on disability? Question mark. So now it's possible. Now Now it's fine. Now it's fine. Trump, by the way, says that he's going to eliminate fraud and waste and abuse, which is basically a, that's a cop out. OK, there's not enough fraud, waste and abuse in the system to pay for all this crap. There just isn't. And also, your idea is you're going to eliminate the waste, fraud and abuse in the current governmental scheme. And you're going to set up a new governmental scheme that has no waste, fraud and abuse. How does that work? But you can see Laura Ingram has twisted her ideology to fit Donald Trump. There's a perfect example of it. Bill Mitchell, who is my favorite person on Twitter now, this is the guy who does this, this really hysterically funny. Uh, He's not a parody account, which is what makes it even funnier. Uh, He does this pro-Trump radio show and uh, and caps his teeth. Those those are his two claims to fame. Bill Mitchell tweets, quote, he he tweets, this is January 28th, quote, Bernie Sanders just promised guaranteed three months paid maternity leave. Who the hell pays for that? Today. Trump's child care reform is badly needed. So many women remain in abusive marriages just because they can't afford daycare and work. Okay, gang, this is what we call intellectual dishonesty, and Trump is making people have it in spades. It's happening over and over and over again. I'll give you another example. I'm old enough to remember when Sean Hannity thought that Julian Assange, the WikiLeaks guy, was a traitor. That Julian Assange was the guy who was revealing all sorts of classified information, including information about our fighting men and women, and he wanted Julian Assange put in jail. This was him with Julian Assange last week because Julian Assange is now leaking material. He's a Russian agent, and he's leaking material about about Hillary Clinton. So Sean, of course, loves that. So here is Sean to Julian Assange 
a guy who legitimately has put American lives in harm's way. Julian Assange, uh, fascinating. I do hope you get free one day. I wish you the best. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Sean. Uneffing believable. Okay, this is what's happened to the conservative movement because of Trump. Wait till he becomes president. Wait till Donald Trump is president, and then all of these people who are supposed conservative thought leaders are perverting their basic view of things in order to fit Donald Trump. Even that terrible Flight 93 essay that I talked about last week, this, this awful, awful, stupid, moronic, widely praised Claremont Review of Books, Flight 93 essay, they said that the best thing about Trump's policies were his isolationism, his Ron Paul isolationism, his, his notions of Dick Gephardt anti-free market routine, anti-free trade routine, and his Tom Tancredo immigration plan, okay? All of which, by the way, the Republicans used to not be in favor of. The, the only one that, that there's anything to say for is Tom Tancredo. And, uh, but that, that's become the new conservatism. So the idea that this isn't a, a new philosophy or that people aren't shifting to meet Trump is absolute, absolute crap, and it's, and it's very frustrating. And to pretend that it's not happening is just silly. If you don't think it's happening, listen to the people, even the people who say they're holding their nose and voting for Trump. How many of those people are willing to speak out clearly today about paid maternity leave? Watch. Really, I mean, listen to, listen to, to people who I respect and people whose shows I like. Listen to them today and listen to how many of them will dedicate any significant time to paid maternity leave, why it's wrong, and why it's a left policy. The answer is going to be close to zero. Just like last week, they weren't willing to talk about Putin. Just like they're not willing to talk about free trade anymore because Trump is anti-free trade. People pervert their ideology to fit Trump. That has real ramifications for the conservative movement. Plus, Trump's, is, I mean, just look at the polls. He's toxic with young people. He's toxic with minorities. He's toxic with women. All right. All those things said, time for some things I like and some things that I hate. So we're actually doing memoirs this week that I like. There aren't that many memoirs that I, that I like. Most memoirs are, are really quite terrible. Um, most of them are overwrought. Yesterday, we did Hellbilly Elegy, which is a, a good book by J.D. Vance. Today is one that you're not going to expect me to do, The Autobiography of Malcolm X. And the reason that I say that you should read this is because it's an important book, not because it's a true book. Uh, the, the, guy who, the guy who helped write this with Malcolm X was Alex Haley, who is also behind the, the falsified history and roots. But the autobiography of Malcolm X is interesting because Malcolm X has now become a more important figure for the left than Martin Luther King. They now believe that Malcolm X was basically correct. White, white people and black people are in eternal strife. There's no way to calm that down except by pandering. And so Malcolm X is the, is the real voice of the militant black community, not Martin Luther King. What's interesting when you read this is that the autobiography of Malcolm X was meant to be a transitional story. It was meant to be a story about a guy who was militant and who realized near the end of his life that the, the sort of militants that he, that he appreciated in the nation of Islam was actually wrong and that he wanted a more humanist notion of coming together. And that's not how people think of Malcolm X. That's not the Malcolm X that the left glorifies. People who wear X t-shirts are people who like early Malcolm X, the white devil's Malcolm X, uh, the Malcolm X who was avidly a racist, ardently a racist, ardently an anti-Semite. Uh, Alex Haley, by the way, whitewashed a lot of that in the autobiography, but you should read it because this has become sort of a, a proof text for the left. And, uh, and so you should read it so that you know what the left actually thinks about race. By the time he gets to his transition, that's when he's already a race traitor, uh, according to some folks on the left. But the early Malcolm X is the part that's important to understand what the left truly believes about race. And they think that Malcolm X is a racial hero as opposed to a racial villain. And, and let's face it, Malcolm X was not Martin Luther King. Uh, when he was speaking about white devils and the incompatibility of white people and black people living together, that's villainous stuff, really, truly villainous stuff. I know people want to soft pedal him now. Malcolm X was not a good man. He was not a good guy. And the transition that happened at the end of his life was at the end of his life, but most of the damage that he did was a lot earlier than that. Okay, other things that I like. South Park, 
is is making fun of Colin Kaepernick, and this is really quite funny. They're they're making fun of Colin Kaepernick's national anthem routine. Colin Kaepernick is brave. Cops are pigs. Cops are pigs. Wait, someone just took my stuff. I need to call the cops. Oh no, I just said cops are pigs. Now who's gonna help me get my stuff? <laughs> Why did I listen to Colin Kaepernick? He's not even any good. Oh, I just got all my stuff back. Cops are pigs again. Cops are pigs. Colin Kaepernick's a good backup. <laughs> and that is indeed the leftist perspective on Colin Kaepernick and the cops. Other things that I like, this is just hysterical. So last night, uh, there was a game between the new Los Angeles Rams, who still have not scored a point since 1994, and, uh, and, the, and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, and, uh, and the most interesting part of the game was not the game. Some guy decided to run onto the field. And Kevin Harlan is a radio sports announcer, and here was his reaction. He actually called the play. It's really funny. Secondary. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, Kevin. they got him. Here comes coming the blue from the coat. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. <laughs> Oh, that was the most exciting thing to happen tonight. I tell you what, that was a great call on your part. That was a great call. <laughs> and All right, I'm ready for the last 11:31 now, Kevin. Let's go. A terrible, terrible game, and, and that, Kevin Harlan, hero of the day for that terrific sports call. I mean, honestly, like the people in sports should take themselves less seriously and be like Kevin Harlan. That's just fantastic. Okay, things that I hate. So Jimmy Kimmel, uh, yesterday. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel yesterday he uh, he decides that um, he is he's very upset with Hillary Clinton uh, and her falling down on the job. So here is Jimmy Kimmel uh, talking about this. He had to cancel the trip because of illness. You probably know Hillary was coughing a lot in public last week, and then yesterday she was forced to leave a 9/11 memorial because she was feeling faint. Turns out on Friday Clinton's doctor had diagnosed her with pneumonia, but they kept it secret until this happened, and they were forced to admit it. You know these conspiracy theories about Hillary Clinton's health believe if they didn't actually come true <laughs> or maybe just maybe there's another story here let's run the video where she had to be helped into the van you probably saw this on the news now this is just that's hillary's we see she's being kind of supported by one of her handlers there and then she stumbles a little bit and they actually secret service has to kind of put her into the van they even get in between her and the news cameras but I tell you, maybe Hillary Clinton doesn't have pneumonia. Maybe Hillary Clinton had a few too many shots of Trump vodka the night before. From Arkansas to New York. Okay, so it goes on like this. So, so, it, so here's what I don't like about this. So this is all fine and dandy, except that Jimmy Kimmel last week was helping her show on health. Last week, right? We, had, we played it on the show. He had her open a, a pre-opened pickle jar, and he took her pulse to prove how healthy she was. And there he is saying, well, you know, I can't believe that, that she lied to us about her health. You lied to us about her health. You were part of it, right? Trevor Noah did the same thing. The least funny man on earth. He's actually been officially notified of this by the Guinness Book of World Records. The least funny person on planet Earth, Trevor Noah of Comedy Central. He's very upset with Hillary Clinton. He says she should have just told us the truth. This is the problem with the Clintons. It's not the things that they do that get them. 
It's the way they try and cover them up. Because if you knew on Friday, Hillary, that you had pneumonia, and you've known for a while that your opponents have been saying that you are hiding a terminal illness, you could end all the speculation by being transparent, just coming out and saying, I have pneumonia. Instead, you walk out of your daughter's apartment acting like nothing's wrong. And I, I mean, look at that. The pressure's there. Walking out of that apartment was Hillary's chance to set things right. I mean, here are just a few of the things Hillary could have said. I have pneumonia, you f- Oh, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going down. I'm going down again. Psych! <laughs> hey, everyone, so I have pneumonia, and I decided to work today anyway, despite my doctor's advice. But let's be honest, if I hadn't come to the 9-11 memorial today, you would have called me unpatriotic and chewed me out. So I guess in the end, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. In other words, even when, when they're trying to say that Hillary is dishonest, she's a hero, right? She's a hero. She's trying to bull through that pneumonia. What a bold move by Hillary Clinton to lie to the American public for, for weeks at a time about her health and then collapse. I mean, really, she's just so heroic. Uh, it's, it, it, this is the media that we're supposed to trust with giving us honest coverage about Hillary Clinton. Okay, time for some deconstructing the culture. Yay, deconstructing the culture. This is, this is everyone's favorite thing to do on a Tuesday. So... There is a song called Sit Still, Look Pretty by Dea Daya. I don't know how to pronounce this. I don't care. Um, but Dea Daya uh, has a song called Sit Still, Look Pretty. Here's some of the music video. Could dress up to get love. But guess what? I'm never gonna be that girl who's living in a Barbie world. Could wake up and make up and play dumb pretending that i need a boy who's gonna treat me like a toy i know the other girlies wanna wear expensive things with diamond rings but i don't wanna be the puppet that you're playing on a string this queen don't need a king oh, i don't know what you've been told about this guy right he's gonna rule the world yeah that is what i'm gonna be because i wanna be no i don't So this is a, a okay. So this is a typical you know poppy song and uh, and you know and there there's a bit of irony to the actual to the actual music video given the fact that half of the music video she's in these really low cut dresses and she's explaining how she doesn't want to have to wear low cut immodest things in order to in order to get a guy. But here's the here's the lyrics for because it's hard to hear the lyrics a little bit. She says, "Could dress up to get love, but guess what? I'm never going to be that girl who's living in a Barbie world." Okay, fair enough. Could wake up in makeup and play dumb, pretending that I need a boy who's going to treat me like a toy. Okay, still, okay. I mean, you should want a man who's going to treat you like a decent human being. She says, I know the other girlies want to wear expensive things and diamond rings, but I don't want to be the puppet that you're playing on a string. This queen don't need a king. And here's where we get into the dicey territory. So modern feminism doesn't just say... They don't just say, I want to be treated like a human being. I want to be treated for who I am. I want to dress decently and not be treated like somebody's puppet on a string. They say, we don't need guys at all. We don't need guys at all. And there are guys, there are guys songs that do this, although a lot fewer of them lately. He says, I don't know what you've been told, but this gal right here is going to rule the world. Yeah, this is where I'm going to be because I want to be. No, I don't want to sit still, look pretty. 
You get off on your 9 to 5, dream of picket fences and trophy wives, but no, I'm never going to be, because I don't want to be. No, I don't want to sit still, look pretty. Mr. Wright could be nice for one night. You see, it's getting progressively worse. Mr. Wright could be nice for one night, and then you want to take control. I would rather fly solo. Snow White did right in her life. She had seven men to do the chores, because that's not what a lady's for. So apparently, it's, it's okay. She doesn't want to be a manservant, but she would like for men to be her servants. She's the only thing a boy's got to give a girl for freeze captivity. And I might love me some vanilla, but I'm not that sugar sweet. Call me HB. B-I-C. Oh, I don't know what you've been told. But this gal's going to rule the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the bottom line here is that it's not just that she wants to be treated with respect, which, of course, would be a perfectly fine message. It would be a perfectly fine message. It's that she thinks that any normal relationship means that she's being sexually objectified, that something terrible is happening to her. Now, maybe that's an outgrowth of a culture that has sexually objectified women, the pop culture that says that women do have to dress like, like all of these various all these various pop stars do in order to sell their records. But when she says things like, Mr. Wright could be nice for one night, but he want to take control, I'd rather fly solo. If he's Mr. Wright, presumably he doesn't want to take control. Presumably he wants to treat you with respect. Now, if you're, if you're, looking for a, if you're actually looking for Mr. Wright, Clavin has a great line about this. He says, you know, all these women are out there searching for Mr. Wright. Before you can find Mr. Wright, you have to make sure that you're Mrs. Wright. Right? You have to make sure that you're actually capable of being a person who's in an adult relationship. And you're not going to do that if you think that you'd rather fly solo because all men are trying to take control of you. There are some bad men who are trying to take control of women, for sure, and you got to look out for them. But the idea that female independence rests on the notion that you don't need a man ever at any point, we all need people, okay? I need a wife. I needed a wife. My wife needed a husband. There's nothing wrong with that. Men were created in order so that they need a wife, and women were created in order so that they need a husband. It's something men complete women, women complete men. This is something that I truly believe, and the evidence of that is in the, the entire history of the human race and the creation, bearing, and rearing of children. But the fact is that the modern pop culture suggests that there are really only two ways that you can live in the modern pop culture. One is that you are single and you just have sex with anything that moves, and the other is that you're in a broken relationship and you're whining about it. Those are the only two motifs in pop music. When's the last time you heard a pop song? You hear country songs about love and lasting marriage and children. You do. You hear lots of country songs about this. We'll have to do a, a Things I Like that's some country music because there are some good country songs along these lines about what it's like to raise children and send them off to college. You never see that in the pop world because the pop world is directed at 17-year-old girls. And the problem with that, 15 to 17-year-old girls, the problem with that is that these 15 to 17-year-old girls take in that message that men are bad and that men are only to be used for sex. Which, by the way, is the exact parallel of the sexist message that men have been taught for decades that women are all bad and women are only to be used for sex. If you have two sexes that both believe this about each other, there's no possibility of decent, fulfilling human relationships taking place. So there's my deep analysis of Sit Still, Look Pretty by Dea, Daya, Diu, yeah, I don't know who she is. Okay, so we'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow is uh, tomorrow. We'll find out more about Hillary Clinton's health, I'm sure. And uh, and tomorrow is also Biblical Analysis Day, so we do that tomorrow, uh, from the ridiculous to the sublime. Uh, plus Thursday is mailbag, and so it's a long week coming up. But we'll be there with you every step of the way. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free. 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.